the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we continue in our series in the Gospel of Mark, we're going to look at Mark chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, and today we're going to discuss the temptation of the servant. Mark chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 tells us, And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him. Every one of us sometime in our lives have been tempted to do something or say something, respond in a certain way that we know doesn't please God. Temptation isn't fun because it stirs up within us the very real human struggle between the intention to remain faithful to God in His Word and the desire to do something contrary to what we know to be right. Temptation is an enticement of our spirit, flesh, or mind to satisfy a need in a way that violates the will of God in our lives. It appears powerfully in such a way so as to lure us or distract us from the way of righteousness toward a path away from the heart of God. A temptation allures us to satisfy an illegitimate desire for a price greater than we think. Many times we can feel guilty for being tempted. However, keep in mind that being tempted isn't a sin because the Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted, yet he remained sinless. Hebrews 4 verse number 15 tells us, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. You see, Jesus was tempted, but he didn't sin. Because temptation alone isn't a sin. It's when we give in to the, that temptation that becomes sin. The downward slide towards sin is when we do not initially reject the temptation, and then the temptation becomes a lust. And then when given an opportunity... If we consciously choose to engage and give in to the, the, the temptation, then it is sin. And sin at its completion separates a believer's fellowship with God. The Apostle James put it this way in James 1 verses 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. In our passage... We had just read last time from verses 9 to 11 that Jesus was baptized and his baptism was both a physical and audible affirmation of his authority as God and King. It was in essence the coronation day of his earthly ministry. Mark then dove right into what happened next to our Lord by stating in verse 12, And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. The account in Mark's gospel provides both some sweeping omissions concerning the temptation of our Lord, whereas in both Matthew and Luke provided detailed accounts of his temptations and how he answered them. Mark omitted details of the temptation, but it is nonetheless worthy for us to consult the synoptic accounts so as to fully grasp the purpose for this account. Having established the authority of the King of Kings at his coronation day, Mark then told us that Jesus was driven by the Spirit of God, the same Holy Spirit that had just rested upon him like a dove, and the Spirit of God drove him into the wilderness to be tempted. 
That word driveth is ekbale, which means to lead forth or away with an irresistible force. So the question arises, why then, after such a monumental event in the ministry of Jesus Christ, was he driven into the wilderness to be tempted? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons. Number one, the temptation of Christ was to prove his authority. As we see here in Mark chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says, And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. You see, for centuries, Satan had been prevailing as the prince of the earth. God has permitted Satan dominion over this world for a time. We're told in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Satan is called the God of this world. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, he's referred to as the prince of the power of the air. So it's evident from Scripture that God has granted Satan a measure of authority over this world. I contend strongly that much of the seat of his ruling is done near or about Washington, D.C. and Sacramento, but I can't prove that scripturally, so don't hold me to that. When Christ came into the scene as the main event at his baptism, God the Father and God the Spirit conferred God the Son's authority. This was to express to all of us as a reminder that Satan's authority was inferior to, inferior to our Lord's. Satan had des desired for centuries to have God's authority. He has self-proclaimed aspirations to be like God. We're told that in Isaiah chapter 14, verses one, um, 12 through 14. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cast, cast, cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. You see, Satan's egotism to have the authority over God or authority of God began when he was the anointed cherub. Ezekiel 28 verses 13 to 17 tells us, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle in gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in the ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as a profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thy, thine heart was lifted up because, thy, uh, because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. You see, in that passage, Lucifer has longed and lusted after the lordship above, above all. He was created beautifully, but his ego got to him. Now, in our passage, when the Spirit of God drove Jesus into the wilderness, he had a purpose behind it. 
which was for Jesus to be tempted of the devil. Now this temptation was not to put Jesus in a position to give in to sinful enticements, but rather it was purposeful to prove that Satan was not the authority of this world and Satan was not the authority of the sins of men and that Satan never has been. Forty days, Jesus was in the wilderness fasting and praying, and for 40 days, Satan would assault the Son of God, this suffering servant, to relinquish his authority to become sinful. As a serpent in the Garden of Eden assaulted the first Adam to become like the Holy God, in the wilderness of Judea, the same serpent assaulted the second Adam, Jesus Christ, to become like sinful man. If you turn to Matthew chapter 4, notice how Satan questioned the authority of Jesus. Matthew 4 verse 3, The tempter came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Matthew 4 verse 5, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him in the pinnacle of the, of the temple. Verse 6 says, And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Matthew 4 verse 8, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Verse number 9. What Satan was doing to entice Jesus Christ to sin was next level deception. He said, if thou be, that can be understood as since, since you are the son of God, well then prove it, prove it by obeying me, was what Satan was saying. If Jesus would give in to Satan to prove it, if he had given in to Satan to prove it, Jesus would have submitted himself to Satan's authority. Verse number nine, Satan enticed Jesus to abdicate the throne of authority. All the while Satan was tempting Jesus, he was presuming that he had authority over Satan. Uh, excuse me, he had the authority over Christ. But Christ proved that he had greater authority over Satan. How then can this be applied to our lives? Well, when we get, we get tempted, we can think the temptation is sinning, but it's not. One can be tempted and still not sin. And because we are the children of God, as Jesus was empowered by the Spirit at his baptism and in the wilderness, we also have the Holy Spirit's authority upon our lives to have dominion over the vices of the devil. We're told in Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 14, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. By the authority of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God indwelling in us, it is entirely possible to have freedom from sin that has so easily beset us. We can be free from sin. Satan and his wicked minions can hurl enticements at us constantly, but by God's power and authority, we don't have to give in to our indulgences. How do we know that? First John chapter 4, verse 4, this latter part of the verse says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When we allow our Lord to be the masters of our souls, his authority gives us victory from being slaves 
to our own sin. And we don't have to give in to the temptation that Satan hurls our way. Not only was the temptation of Christ to prove his authority over Satan, but secondly, I want you to see that the temptation of Christ was to prove his impeccability. Again, we've already mentioned in Hebrews 4 verse 14 that we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. As a man, taking upon him the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of man, Jesus Christ submitted to the Holy Spirit to be driven into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It was right and proper that he should be tried to prove his authority. And it is also right that he be tempted to demonstrate his purity, his eternal holiness. The Spirit driving Jesus into the wilderness was not to see if maybe he would break and weaken, then give in to sin in an hour of extreme stress, having fasted for 40 days. Rather, it was to prove that he would not sin, that he was impeccable that he was and is and always will be the absolute sinless one. Now, my dear friends, it is a gross mischaracterization of Jesus Christ to impute to him the sinful nature of man. Yes, he took upon him the form of a servant, but he is fully God while he was fully human. But he did not have the sinful nature of man. It is an equally egregious notion to claim the possibility of him giving in to sin. H.A. Ironside said this about Jesus Christ. He was tempted in all points, even as we are yet without sin or literally apart from sin. There was in him no inward tendency to sin. The temptations were all from without and found no response whatever in his heart. Because Jesus was tempted to identify with mankind in the same three areas that cause men to sin, he still did not give in to sin. And I want you to see these same three areas. Notice that he was tempted like man in that he was tempted physically. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. We see in the temptation of Jesus Christ that Satan tempted Jesus with the lust of the flesh. The Bible uh, tells us in Matthew chapter 1, Chapter 4, verse 1, Satan said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. It was a quiet place, a lonely place. No fresh green grass or, or green trees to be seen. There was no food and no animals for Jesus to eat. But Jesus was hungry and undoubtedly tired. Physically, he was exhausted having not eaten for 40 days. You try going four days without eating and you'll become physically weary and spent. When you are physically tired, the devil keys in on that. When the flesh is starved for a period of time, it will burn to be fed. Be ready to be attacked if you haven't been attacked already. 
when you're tired and hungry. The devil knows our weaknesses and he knows how to tantalize our objects of desire. Not only was Jesus tempted physically, but he, secondly, he was tempted by pride. Proverbs 29 verse 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 6, we find that the devil, devil tempted Christ to demonstrate his deity, which was in essence to obey the devil. The devil will tempt us to give in to our pride. We need to be careful not to give in to our egos because pride is a dangerous thing. Proverbs 14.3 says, In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. You see, it is pride that causes us to be foolish with our words. Psalm 59 verse 12 says, For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride, and for cursing and lying which they speak. We got to be careful with our words. And sometimes our words demonstrate how foolish we are in our pride. And we need to be careful because pride will destroy us. The Bible makes it very clear in Proverbs 16, verse number 18, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then, not only was Jesus tempted physically and with pride, but thirdly, he was tempted with prosperity. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, the devil offered Jesus all the kingdoms. But the devil knew that Jesus already owned the kingdoms. The devil will tempt also our heart to be pulled away from God and to become attached to worldliness. That's the lust of the eyes. Luke chapter 21 verse 34 says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and with drunkenness and with the cares of this life. And so that day cometh upon you unawares. Matthew 26, excuse me, Matthew 16 verse 26 says, for what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in in exchange for his soul? Secondly, not only do we see the areas where Jesus Christ was tempted, but I want you to see his answer to the temptations in Matthew chapter 4. And we see, first of all, one of the answers to the temptations was found in Matthew 4 verse number 2. And we see that it was self-denial. We find that Jesus fasted. Fasting causes us to deny ourselves of the, some of the things of the flesh. And if we are going to overcome the temptations that Satan sends our way, we must also deny ourselves of some things of the flesh. Luke chapter 9 verse 23, the Bible says, And he said unto them, to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. John chapter 12 verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Romans 6 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Galatians 5 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Jesus taught us that fasting is a denial of the flesh and to be free from giving in to these temptations we can consciously choose to deny our flesh. Are you denying your flesh when the temptations come?
And then not only did Jesus answer the temptations through self-denial, but secondly, he answered the the temptations through submission to God. The Bible tells us that he fasted, and I'm sure that while he was out there for 40 days, he was praying. James chapter 4, verse number 7 tells us, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If we're going to resist the temptations of the devil, the first and foremost thing we must do is submit ourselves, therefore, to God. Prayer is needed for our strength to resist temptation. We must call out to God and ask Him for His strength to resist the devil and submit to God. Matthew 6, in Jesus' model prayer, He said, Lead us not into temptation. That's how we submit to God. And then, thirdly, when Jesus answered the the temptations of Satan, not only did he answer with self-denial and submission to God, but he also answered the the temptations through saturation of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 4, in verses 4, 7, and 10, every time Jesus was tempted, his answer was to say, It is written. Three times in that passage, he said, it is written, and he quoted from the book of Deuteronomy. You see, my dear friends, if we are going to overcome and resist temptation, then we must submit to the power of Scripture. And our answers to temptation is Scripture. Joshua 1.8, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. If we saturate our hearts and minds with Scripture, we can have victory over sin. Somebody once said, the Bible will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Bible. Now let me close with this. In verses 9-11, through Jesus had gone through a glorious event in his baptism. But then immediately, he was driven into the wilderness to go through a barrage of temptations. Jesus demonstrated his authority over Satan and showed his impeccability from sin by not giving in to the wiles of the devil. After his temptation, Matthew 4, verse 11, and Mark 13, verse 13, tells us that the angels ministered unto him. And Luke 4, verse 14, the Bible tells us that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. After Satan's attempts to usurp Christ's authority was foiled, Christ's authority was again manifested in that the angels came and served him. They fed him and strengthened their sovereign. And the Holy Spirit that rested upon his shoulder at the day of his baptism again was upon Jesus Christ as he returned to minister to the masses. Sometimes life is like that. Like what Christ went through when we stand in God's glory. Seeing God manifested himself in our ministry or hearing him distinctly as he speaks to us from his word, our lives are transformed. 
But then the next time it seems like we're in the wilderness and Satan and the rulers of the darkness of this world are assaulting us with a barrage of trials and temptations. And too often we want to ask, excuse me, too often we want to bask in the glory of his presence when God wants us to press on, surrender to him in our dark times and weaknesses. To be effective in our ministry for Christ, we, like Jesus Christ, must return in the power of the Spirit, yielded to Him, and have victory and freedom from any assault from the temptations of the devil. Do you answer the temptations like Christ? Do you use God's Word? Are you hiding God's Word in your life? Or do you find God's Word weakened when you are in the wilderness? Why not submit and surrender to Him? Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for your goodness and grace to us. I pray that you would use this message to bring you honor and glory and give us the strength to overcome temptations as our Savior and servant Jesus Christ did. In his name we pray. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.